Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 15. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We use the word love quite frequently. We use the word love for everything. I love pizza. I love my German shepherd. I love my house. I love my children. I love my dog. I love my, my, my cat. I love a uh, nice house. I love that movie. We use the word love for everything. Jesus didn't. And he never looked anybody in the face and said, I love you in his whole ministry. Why? Because Jesus didn't talk about love. The Bible says that he demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. He didn't talk about love. He demonstrated his love toward us. He showed us. He sacrificed his own life to show us how much He loved us. Are you glad about it? And Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. And then go with me. Chapter 13, verse 35. John 13, verse 35. Love one another. Y'all tracking with me? Love one another as I have loved you. Then, 13, 35, by this all will know. Y'all come on, read it with me. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Love one another as I have loved you, and this is how the world's going to know that you're following me. This is how the world's going to know that you're Christians, by your love. Get this, not just by your love, but by your love for one another. Not just for your love. Like you just love the world and you love things and you love the cats. I don't know why I keep saying cats today. But your love for one another, for other believers. Now, if you were with me in chapter 13, you know I told you the first mark of a committed Christian is that he is absorbed with the Lord's glory. I also then told you the second mark of a committed Christian is his love. Jesus said a new commandment I give you that you love one another. This word new, take notes, write it down. This word new does not mean just invented or recent or different. This word new implies freshness, freshness, or present in a new fresh way. The commandment that is present in a new fresh way is love each other. Let the church say amen. The new law is that men should love each other better than they love themselves. I know loving each other is kind of hard. Loving folk in the church sometimes can be hard. Yep, I'm the pastor and I'm telling you that's a fact. Sometimes loving folk on earth in the church can be hard. I love what Chuck Swindoll says. 
to dwell above with saints we love. Well, that will be grace and glory. To live below with saints we know, that's another story. That's true. It is another story to live below with saints we know. But Jesus tells us that we're to love each other. Christian, listen. Jesus said, this is the way the world's going to know that you're his. Y'all need to get this. And I'm only talking to Christians, okay? This is the way the world is going to know that you're his. By your love for one another. And isn't it sad but true, the world loves its own. The world accepts its own. Flaws and all. Faults, flaws, and all. The world accepts its own. And, you know, the world says, hey, you do you, I'll do me. Don't judge me. I'll do my thing. You know, this is my truth. That's a big little catchphrase in the world nowadays. This is my truth. This is my journey and my truth, as if there are multiple truths. Can I tell you something? There is one truth. Jesus said, I am that one truth, and that's the only truth that there is. Okay, be that as it may. This is my truth, they say. This is my journey. And so don't judge me. I do my thing. You do your thing. And we are the world. We all get along, don't they? The world accepts its own. The church, on the other hand, we are the only organization that shoots its wounded. And it's true. You come to church and you go, well, bro, you know, I need, I need prayer, man. I, you know, I was involved in this last night and I... You know, I did this, I messed up, man, I went here, and I went there, and I shouldn't have done it, and, and you know, you just you need to pray for me, man. They go, really? Oh, okay. Well, you know you're going to hell for that. Hold it, man. I mean, I thought you were going to pray for me and lift me up and encourage me and love me. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, Lord, poof, we shoot our wounded. Instead of receiving them and loving them, listen, church, listen, men, we've got to do better in the love department. Some of us don't love enough to give our time to serving the Lord. Some of us don't love enough to give our time to serving in the children's ministry. Some of us don't love enough to give our money to the furthering of the kingdom, which is the most important thing on the earth, so we say. We say, now listen, let me just preface this by this. If you're a first-time visitor here, I am talking about money. I don't usually talk about money unless it comes up in the scriptures, so you just kind of caught me on a good day. And let Calvary Chapel folks who know that to be true say amen, clap your hands. You know how I am about that, okay? So I don't, I'm not money this and money that every single week because somebody's like, oh, here he go with the money thing again, all the preachers. No, it's not like that here. But it is a fact, and it is true, that sometime we say that the kingdom of God is the most important thing on the earth. We say only what you do for Christ will last. We say that we, you know, we need to preach the gospel and further the kingdom and all of these kinds of things, and yet we fail to give to it financially. That's not right. Amen, one person. Amen. We fail to give to it financially. If we really believe that Jesus is coming, God, help me. If we really believe that Jesus is coming, 
if we really believe that we could be raptured at any moment, if we really believe that we're not going to take it with us, then why do we act like we're going to take it with us and we spend all of our time, talent, and resources here on this earth instead of investing it in the kingdom of God where Jesus said, what you send ahead, moth and rust will not corrupt, thieves will not break in and steal. Am I right about it? If we really believe that, then why don't we live like that? And why is it in the church you have this this period of time called the summer months, and in church language they call it the summer months financial giving slump? And if you're in ministry, you know what I'm talking about. I was visiting a church website just yesterday, a local church, and it, it, on the church banner, you know, the, 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 the graphics go by. On the church banner, it says that they are canceling uh, one of their services for the summer months. For the summer months. So they got two services, but in the summer, they're canceling one service, um, so they go to one service. And what? Is that because uh, people are on vacation and not there? Or is that because the giving financially cannot sustain the church to services for that month? It's probably a little of both. Even if the people are not there, that's one thing. But you can still give to the church. You can look, you can be on vacation and mail your check, your tithe in and mail your offering in. Somebody say amen. Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. You can mail it in, you can, you, can, you can give online, which is easy, convenient, and safe. <laughs> and so why is it that the church, and even here at Calvary Chapel, I'll be honest with you, every church across the country experiences the summer months giving slump because People are more concerned about their vacation than they are about the kingdom. And that's right. And you're clapping because that's an amen. Am I right about it? They're more concerned about their vacation than they are about the kingdom. And even some people may have their giving set up and then they stop it for the summer months and then they pick it back up. That is a shame before the living God. Listen, we're supposed to put Jesus first in everything. He said, I shall have no other gods before me. I'll wait while you clap your hands. He said, I will have no other gods before me. And when he says, I don't, will not have any other gods before me, he doesn't mean before me like you can have other gods after me. Uh-huh. When he says before me, he means I will have no other gods in my face. In other words, I will have no other gods in my presence. He is the one, the true, the only God. And he will have no other gods. And we are to put him first in everything. And give to him first. And if you do that, God will bless you. Do you understand that giving to God does not make God happy? Giving to God shows that you are obedient unto God, and that will bring, obedience brings blessings. Am I right about that? Obedience brings blessings. So it is a blessing for you to give. And that's why the Bible says that we are to give cheerfully. You know, we hear so much talk, and I don't know, do you, about the end times harvest. 
people talk about that all the time. You know, oh, there's going to be end times harvest. Before Jesus comes back, there's going to be a souls, big souls of people. All these people are going to be coming to church, and, and there's going to be a huge end times harvest people talk about. And I don't know, personally, I don't know how we plan to get those souls in the kingdom if when those souls look at the church, they don't see love. Uh, they might not see the church doors open if it's the summer. Let's say Amen. Sorry, it's third service. They don't see the church helping one another, and they see the church hating on one another. They don't see sacrifice and selflessness and service. They don't see Jesus. A German philosopher once said, you show me your redeemed lives, and I'll believe in your Redeemer. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. And John 13, 35, y'all getting that? By this... All will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We got to move forward. Look at verse 13. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for a friend. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that pen in your hand and right next to verse 13, I want you to write this. In your Bibles, in your margin, right next to verse 13, I want you to write 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. 1 John 3.16. We all know John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world. Okay, this is 1 John 3.16. Good way to remember. John, the same John, said it like this. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. We also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. He said the same thing in 1 John 3.16. By this we know love. We ought to lay down our lives for one another. Our culture, have you noticed, is in love with love. Have you noticed that? We're in love with love. We are in love with love. You know, that probably explains the person that, you know, had been married eight times and divorced eight times. They just in love with love. They just love the feeling of love. Those first couple of years, you know, know how it goes. First couple of, for some folks, first couple of days, but some people, the first couple... First couple of years, you know, you're just, oh, I just love you. Oh, you're so cute. Oh, your nose. Oh, oh, I just love everything about you. And I think of you and I just run through the tulips and, ooh, love. I just love. They love love. And after a while, it's like all that feeling is gone because you know that doesn't always, that doesn't last that long. Word to the wise, I'm just trying to help y'all. That feeling will go away. And again, we'll see how much even if they like you. Let's go back to the first part of the sermon, all right? We'll see if they even like you. So some people are just people in love with love. We live in a culture where people just love a good love story. They love a good love story and sacrifice. And at the same time, I think it's interesting because we love a good love story. I don't know why people don't love the story of Jesus because it's the greatest love story ever told. It's the story of love and sacrifice. I don't get that. We love to hear about the story where the fireman goes into the burning building where there's a baby and he doesn't make it out. And we say, he paid the ultimate price or the ultimate, made the ultimate sacrifice. Or a police officer who gave his life in the line of duty and we say, oh, he paid the ultimate sacrifice. Listen, I heard this story of this woman and her child in Scotland. And the mother was taking the child from one place to another and a snowstorm came and the baby was cold and the mother took off all her clothes and wrapped the baby in the clothes to keep it warm. She tucked the baby in a place by a tree, and the mother was found frozen, dead, 
and naked the next day, and the baby was warm and alive, and she gave her life for the child. William Gladstone stood before the House of Commons in England to tell them that Prince Alice had died. Her daughter had contracted diphtheria. The doctors told told her that she couldn't kiss her daughter because diphtheria was contagious by breathing the child's breath. Well, once the child was struggling to breathe and the mother took the child in her arms and while struggling for her life, the child looked at her mother and said, Mama, kiss me. And Prince Alice, Princess Alice kissed her daughter and contracted diphtheria and died. For those of you that are readers, the tale of two cities... Charles Dickens, you know, tells the story of Charles Darney, who was innocently found guilty and put in prison to await the guillotine. His friend, Sidney Carton, came to prison and drugged him, took his clothes, and because they resembled each other, Darney took the guillotine for him the next morning. Listen, these are all great stories of love, aren't they? All great stories of sacrifice and great acts of bravery. But can I, under, can I help you understand something? All of those stories, as wonderful and great as they are, pale in comparison to the love story of Jesus Christ. Pale in comparison. Why, you ask? Because Jesus gave his life for his enemies. Don't y'all get it? Nobody was loving on Jesus when he went to the cross. They were hating on him. Nobody was running to Jesus saying how much they loved him and how much they worshiped him and how much they they gave thanks for him. He went to the cross even while we were yet sinners. Romans chapter 5 verse 7 through 8 memory verse tells us, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners or still sinners, Christ did what, saints? He died for us. Even while we were still sinners. Look at verse 14 and 15. Jesus said, you are my friends if you do what I command you. And no longer do I call you servants. For a servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. Again, Jesus establishing a a new relationship with his disciples. This word friend is an intimate word. Actually, it's from the courts of the Roman emperor and the eastern kings. Listen to this. The Roman emperor had a court, a very select group of men who were called the friends of the king or the friend of the emperor. These men were intimate friends with the king. They weren't just advisors who were schooled politically. They were dear friends of the king or the emperor. They were his protectors. They were the ones who cared for his life at all times. They had immediate access to the king. They could enter into into his bedchamber in the morning. They didn't have to gain entrance from anybody because they were called the friends of the king. He talked with them before he talked with his generals. He talked with them before he talked with the rulers of other nations. The friends of the king had access to the king. The friends of the king were those who had the closest possible relationship with the king. They could come to him anytime, any place, and anywhere. And listen, put your thinking cap on. Don't you remember the Jews said to Pilate, if you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend or you are not a friend of the king. Remember that? 
Do you remember when Jesus said to Judas, Judas, or he said, friend, why have you come? Because Judas was a friend of the king. King Jesus, that is. He was a friend of the king. Judas, why have you come? This word friend is a very intimate and personal and close word. Jesus calls his disciples, his true disciples, the abiding branches, the real fruit bearers, friends, not servants, because a servant doesn't know what's going on. Jesus says, you are no longer slaves, you're friends. That's a nice step up, isn't it? Go from friend, or go from servant to friend. That's a nice step up. The word servant, got a pen? Write it down. It's a Greek word, doulos, D-O-U-L-O-S, and it means slave. Servant means slave. In those days, a servant wasn't a shameful title. It is today, but it wasn't in those days. It was used of people who served God. Moses was called a servant. Joshua and David both were called servants of God. In the New Testament, Paul counted it an honor to be a servant and a slave. Are you listening? Uh, James was excited to be a bondservant of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. James 1, 1. Jesus is saying, fellas, I'm establishing a brand new kind of intimacy based on friendship, not acquaintance, a friend. Abraham was a friend of God. And listen, when you're friends, you don't feel awkward to call upon your friend when you're in need. And the reason you don't feel awkward is because you have a relationship. So when life comes at you, Calvary Chapel, help me out. When life comes at you and life comes at you fast. Y'all, okay, write that down next time, okay? (laughs) And life comes at you fast. You can call upon your friend and he'll help you. When you are in a situation in your life, you can call upon your friend. His name is Jesus, and he will help you. But you got to call on him, and he'll help you. Because that's what friends do. They have a relationship, and there's an intimacy and a unity and a fellowship between friends. And you don't have to be formal when you're friends with somebody. I'm not formal with my friends. I don't, I'm not correct with my friends per se, with my words. You know, when, you, when you're friends with somebody, you just talk to them. You know, when I'm in the pulpit, I'm, 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 I'm correct. My words are being chosen because I'm speaking to all of you and then this sermon will go on the radio and it will go to thousands and thousands and thousands of hearers. So I have to be correct. I've got to choose the right word and, and, and be a bit formal. But when I'm talking to my friends, I don't have to be that way when I'm talking to my wife. I'm just talking. Why? Because she gets me. And I can say the wrong thing and she'll go, oh, no, honey, it ain't that. But I know what you mean. Right? Ladies, y'all do it all the time. Yeah, yeah, honey, it ain't that. But I know what you mean. Yeah, because we're friends. Because she knows me and I know her. And there is an intimacy that we have. And so it is true with Jesus. We don't have to be correct with Jesus. We don't have to have the right prayer. And I'm t- I guess I'm preaching to myself right here because I remember some years ago, I used to think that when you're talking to Jesus, you had to have the right words. Anybody willing to be honest in church? Okay, okay, good, okay. I'm not by myself. And, and I used to think I had to have the right words. And I also used to think that I used to have to talk loud because I was talking to Jesus. And he's like way up there. So in order for him to hear me, I have got to elevate my voice. So I, I remember that. I remember being in prayer meetings and, you know, you're standing around in a circle and, you know, you're praying loud like, Lord Jesus, Father, 
And you know, you get, and then you get, and then you think you got to be formal because you're talking to God. You know. Father, the omnipotent one, who sits high, looks low, Lord, if thou wouldest thine come down to thine people and beest with thee. You'd be like, <laughs> you'd be in prayer meetings like that, and you're like, huh, what? Are you, so you think you, or, or you think you have to pray not only loud, but long. I used to think the length of prayer equal, was equal to the strength of prayer. So you pray long and you're in a prayer meeting. I mean, I've been in some prayer meeting circles, y'all, they're going on and on. You just hold hands and you're like. <laughs> and just when you think they're done, and you go, they go, and Father, in Jesus' name, and you go, yes, yes, amen. They go, and Lord, one more thing. <laughs> you're like, oh, man. Am I the only one here? It's like, you know, you, you None of those things. Listen, when you're talking to God, talk to God. Just talk to him. And, 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 and to the other side of that is don't be irreverent because I've been there too and heard those kind of prayers, you know, like calling God homie. Amen. God is not your homie. Uh-huh. Write that down. <laughs> you have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch, in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.